Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Welcome. Y'all are great. So good to see everyone here. And it just wouldn't be the same if you didn't come to church. I just love you being here. It's so great. If we have guests that are here today, we're so honored you're here. Would you join me in church and just welcome our guests? It's awesome. We love you. So glad you're here. If you've been here over the last month, you know that I haven't preached in the last four weeks. But our preaching has been dynamite with our staff. They've done a great job. I loved it. I'm just so proud of our team. We are not lacking in great preachers. And then last week, Pastor Ron McGee, who's a member of our church, just brought the house down. Love it. Thank you so much. Great times. Hey, listen, I have a little good news before I preach the good news. Let me tell you some good news ahead of time. Um, what we, I want to talk to you about is our building project for just a moment. I haven't had a chance to give you an update lately. And so here's a quick update. Good news is, oh, by the way, if you're new to us, you don't know what I'm talking about. This is not our house. All right. This is First Baptist Church's house. We just are temporarily here. We have our own building that's going to be renovated. It's the old jelly bean skating ring, which is now the new Life Church building. And so, woohoo! So um, it's coming, it's coming. But here's the good news. We have been working so hard behind the scenes and we received all of the city permits and approvals this week. Oh, that's, that's glorious news. That's like a monumental victory. So, so what's next? Well, the city passes it to the county and so the county has to approve us. So what I understand though is county approvals are much quicker and way more simple than the city and so it ought to just breeze on through pretty quick. We also received our, our demo permit for our building. So if you've driven by the building, you've noticed trucks and a big dumpster and we are, we are taking out every wall in there and preparing it for the renovation. So progress is happening. So that's great news. The next step for us is to take the plans. Now that the city has approved our plans, we can now take it to contractors to get bids and we'll get those bids in and then we'll get our financing all together and we'll start a, a renovation project, hopefully sooner than later. Now, people ask me all the time and I appreciate the question. I just can't answer it. They ask me, well, when do we get to be in our new building? And it's a great question. I have the same question and I will ask the contractor once we get it locked in when we will be in. And so when he tells me or she, I guess we could have a female contractor, but when they tell us then, I will tell you. Deal? Deal. Awesome. Awesome. So listen, a couple things going on uh, this month I want to let you know about. So in the month of August. So uh, we have a, a drive going that's starting today for New Hanover High School, a supply drive. So you can see the supplies they're asking for. Toothpaste, toothbrush, soap, shampoo, deodorant, washcloth. Now you may be thinking, that doesn't sound like a school supply drive. And what we have done is Lachlan and Bailey, our youth pastors, have met with the principal of New Hanover High School. He shared with us that this is a great need for some of their students at their school because they come from, from places of poverty. 
And if you are not ready to come to school with these items, then you cannot be your best at school. And so he asked if we could supply these items so they could then distribute those to people in their school that have this need. And so we said, absolutely. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Take a picture of that because we need these supplies. Please don't add to that list. Please don't think I'm going to be the person that goes extra and give them other things. They don't want other things. You give us other things and we're going to have to keep it in our office. And so only these items, you can put them in a bag, you can put them in a trash bag, you can put them in a, in a book bag, which is fine, and we will then deliver it. We have two weeks to get this in, so next week and the following week we'll have a trailer out front. You'll be able to load up the trailer, and then we will take it to New Hanover High School. So please take a picture of that so you can help with that. Bring those supplies, go to Walmart, and uh, pick it all up, and bring it next week and the week after that. So that's August 14, 21. Also on August 21, uh, Principal from New Hanover, Principal Sutton, is going to be with us. We're going to pray over him. We're going to pray over New Hanover High School. And, on, and we're going to pray for all the schools. Matter of fact, every student that is a part of any school, homeschool or whatever it may be, we're going to bring you up here. We're going to pray over you. We're going to bless you. Uh, we're going to just believe that God's best is for you this year. If you're a teacher in any school, if you're a homeschool teacher, then we're going to pray for everyone that morning. So it's going to be a great morning of prayer, preparing our students and our faculty to go into the new year with, with God's grace and his anointing on them. Amen to that. So parents, bring your kids that week. Well, actually bring your kids every week, but just especially that week. How about that? All right. Now on August 28th, we have baptisms. We'll have the, the big baptism tank out front and we're going to do baptisms that day. Baptisms is a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. So when you get saved, it's personal, but it's not meant to stay personal. It's supposed to go public. And this is a public demonstration that you have given your life to Christ. And so we're having baptisms on that Sunday. And so we'd love for you to sign up and be a part of that. Can I get an amen, church? All right. Let me pray as we get started with our new sermon series, and I'll tell you about it. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful for our opportunity to be with you and to experience your presence in worship today. Lord, I pray that as we take into this moment of, of reading and studying your word, God, that it would build faith in our lives and we'd walk out of here with just a sense of just going, I, I belong to Jesus. I'm a follower and I'm in love with Jesus and I just want to live for him every day. And so Lord, we appreciate your heart, your heart for us and we love you in Jesus name. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're starting a series today called Fans and Followers. And my, series, my title, you saw it, you can go ahead and put the title up. My title is Am I a Fan? So the series is about, though, a distinction between being a fan and a follower of Jesus Christ. It's good to be a fan. Fans are good of some things. You can be a fan of a sports team. You can be a fan of, of things like that, you know, music. But but there's a distinction between being a fan and a follower. And in this series, we're going to discuss and come up with ways to determine, are you a fan or a follower? And so my series title is, or my title for today is, I am not a fan. But let's flip it the other way and just go ahead and declare it that I am not a fan. Let's go ahead and say it with me. One, two, three. All right, this time say it like you mean it. One, two, three. 
Awesome. So we're going to go to the book of John chapter 6 as I start today. And I'm going to share a story in scripture about a time when Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two small fish. And so at this point in this story leading up to it, Jesus had become very popular. People were hearing about his miracles and they had begun to want to see him do these amazing things. And, and so they all had shown up in this huge field on the other side of Lake Capernaum. And so Jesus was there and all these people started gathering because they'd heard about this miracle working man. And so they gathered. I would kind of relate it to like how we go to a stadium to watch amazing athletes do things that we can't do. We go and we fill up stadiums to watch them. All these people had come to watch Jesus do these amazing things. So that day Jesus taught. And by evening, it was time for them to either go home or, or something had happened because they were going to starve. They were hungry. You know, everybody has to eat at night. And so what Jesus did is he asked his disciples to go find out how much food was available from the people who were there. And so they found you know, two, five loaves of bread and two little fish. And so Jesus said, well, I can work with that. I can multiply that and feed 5,000 people. So what he did is he prayed over it. After he prayed over it, he began to distribute it. And the food never ran out. And let me just say to you in your life that when you dedicate everything to God, he can multiply it and cause things to never run out when he is, has his blessings on it. Amen. So he began to, to pray over that and bless it and the food multiplied. He fed 5,000 people from these five loaves and two fish, so much so that there were leftovers. And so it was an amazing miracle. And so the people were very impressed with Jesus' miracle. So many of them decided to camp out overnight so that they could hear more of what he had to say the next day and see more miracles. And so they were ginormous fans of Jesus if they were going to camp out overnight. So what they didn't know, though, is the middle of the night, Jesus and his disciples slipped out of the camp and they got in boats and, and they went to the other side of Lake Capernaum. And so the next morning when everyone woke up, they were, they were looking for Jesus. They're like, where is he? I, my opinion, they were probably looking for breakfast. They're like, anybody got two eggs? He can make that work. And so, um, but he wasn't there. And so they began to, to look for him. And someone realized that Jesus had crossed to the other side of the lake. And so the people began to, to go there to find him there. But when they found him they discovered that Jesus had decided to, to change a few things. He wasn't going to keep this all-you-can-eat buffet going. He wanted, to, he wanted to find out about their relationship with him. And so he says this to them in John 6, 25. It says that they found him on the other side of the lake and they asked. They said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Of course, Jesus didn't answer their question. He talked to them what he wanted to talk about. So he replied to them. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. Not because you understood about the one who performed the miraculous signs. And so he is saying to them that he understood the fact that they were sacrificing not to be with him, but to get something from him. They just wanted some free food. They're like, hey, we want some food. That's what Jesus said. He says, you're here because I fed you. Kind of an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway to set up the, the rest of the text here. But was Jesus, 
Was it, was it that they wanted Jesus or did they want what they could get from him? Like there's a distinction there between do I want him or what he does for me? So what Jesus does is he begins to define the relationship. Are you familiar with that term, DTR? You know what that means. So if you've ever been, you know, like in a relationship and the girl looks at the guy at some point and she says, where's this relationship going? That's DTR. Like she wants to know, is this like just a, a temporary thing or are we going somewhere with this thing? And so, you know, the guys, they begin to sweat because they're, they don't want to make that kind of commitment yet. And so, so Jesus does the same thing with them. And I think it's important that relationships do ask that question along the way because we want to know, is this relationship going to be casual or is it committed? And so Jesus does the, the DTR question with all these people that come around because he said to them, you know, you're here because I fed you. Then he goes on and says in, in verse 35, he says, he says, I am the bread of life. He said to them, I am the bread of life. In other words, you've been chasing the miracles, but you need to know the miracle worker. He's like, you've been after what I can do for you, but do you just love me because I'm Jesus the Savior. See, he was saying to them, you need to stop chasing food and start following me. Food doesn't satisfy. Things don't satisfy. The world doesn't satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies us. So then in John Chapter 6, verse 66, which I find it quite interesting. This is 666 because it almost sets up the context of this verse because Jesus is defining the relationship with this crowd of people. And it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Wow. Like there was a moment that many of them decided, you know what? I'm just here for the food. Some of them just said, I'm just here because you, you did some nice things and I want to keep watching that. I'm just here because, because you can help me out. But there was a whole lot of people that said, I'm really not into the following. For Jesus, it wasn't the size of the fan base that mattered. What he cared about was their level of commitment to following him. And so we discover in this story the difference between a fan and a follower. Let's put a little more understanding around fans and followers. Let me put on the screen what a fan looks like. This is a fan. A fan, it's great to be a fan of, of sports teams. You know, you have your favorite teams. You can have your favorite sports teams and movies and music and hobbies. We can be fans of this. Great, fans. It's always good to be a fan of something. You know, we, we have things we love to see and do. Fans. But fans, they're enthusiastic as long as their team is winning. So have you ever watched you know, stadiums when the team is winning? They're packed out. You find a team that's losing. They don't fill, out the, they don't fill up the stadiums anymore. Why? Because people aren't, they're like, hey, if you're not going to win, I'm not going to come. So fans. Fans have limits to their sacrifice. I read this week an article about Bruce Springsteen. So you may have been a fan of Bruce Springsteen. I'm not a fan as much as I used to be. I used to like Bruce Springsteen. 
But he's having a concert coming up and a tour and tickets were at $5,000 a ticket. And his fans were really mad about it. And a matter of fact, I read where a whole group of fans said, we're gonna boycott Bruce Springsteen because he's charging too much. And, and I thought, well, for sure, 5,000 is too much. But I realized there's a limit to what a fan will do to follow their favorite team or musician or whoever it may be. Fans. We all have our favorites. Years ago, my favorite worship song. You have a favorite worship song from years ago? Well, my favorite worship song used to be Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. You remember that one? Who remembers that song? Like, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. You remember that? You probably didn't sound just like that, did it? It was something like that. <laughs> kind of like that. But, you know, I want to see you, Lord. You know, the whole thing, you know, you know, high and lifted up. and Oh, yeah, so great. But you know what? I don't listen to that song anymore. Why? Not because it's not a good song. I've just changed. I just changed my favorite. I, I like the songs we sang today. I, just, I changed because I'm just a fan. So it's okay to just be a fan. On the other hand, followers, if you'll check the screen, followers are faithful during good times and difficult times. See, we're called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're called to follow him when things are great and when things are not so great. Followers are committed when it's not convenient or maybe I could say not even popular. We're, we're not fans, we're followers. Followers are devoted to Jesus. We're faithful, we're committed, we're devoted. And so I bring this to a question today. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? And I would say that, that I'm not a fan of Jesus. Now that sounds kind of weird to say that, to be honest with you. I'm not a fan of Jesus. I mean, you know, like that sounds like sacrilegious or something like that. But, but if you understand the concept that I'm trying to get across, I'm not a fan. I am a follower. But if I were to ask everyone in here, are you a fan or a follower? Most likely everyone in here would go, well, I'm a follower. I'm a follower. And I don't want to say to you that, that I appreciate that, but often people are, are saying yes with their lips, but no with their heart. And, and there's a verse I want to share with you. And this is the verse that, that, that brought me to this sermon series. This is the, the scripture that, that caused me to pause and go, wow, this is it right here. If you want to know why I'm preaching this message and why I'm preaching this series, this is why there's passion about why I'm saying. It says that not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who, who says, Lord, Lord, in other words, their lips are there, but maybe their hearts haven't been transformed. Then it goes on to say, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. In other words, only those who, who are committed to following Jesus and, and obeying his word are real followers. Verse 22, feel the weight of this. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. You know why I think it's poised that way? I think that it was written in that context and said this by, by Christ is that he took the, the, the biggest things that you could imagine. Can you imagine casting out demons and and prophesying in the name of Jesus? You think, well, that's the highest level of, of you know, like, obviously they would be followers. I think it's that way that we can include everything in there, such as like, oh, Lord, Lord, I went to church. 
Oh, Lord, Lord, I have a Bible. And it sits on the coffee table. Once a week, I pick it up. Oh, Lord, Lord, I, I, I gave a little to the church. Oh, Lord, 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 I served a little bit at, at the, the homeless center. Lord, Lord, like, like I think everything in there is included, if you can grasp that. And here's where the heaviness of this verse says, because he says that they all said, Lord, Lord, we did these things. And he says, I reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, we don't know the, 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 the context of the story, and I don't know about these fans that were attempting to follow Jesus at some level. Jesus said, I never knew you. So obviously they weren't committed to following Jesus through ups and downs of life. They weren't committed to following him when it was unpopular with culture. They weren't committed to following him when, when it disrupted their lifestyle in some way. They were just fans. It's good to be a fan of some things, but I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm a fan of some things. Let me tell you one thing I'm a fan of. I was born in Dallas, Texas, which means I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, go ahead. You can boo it. I'm fine with that. I don't even care. Um, you don't have to like the Cowboys. But let me tell you why about me and my fanship of the Cowboys, because it gives context to why I'm a fan. So for you that are booing, it's, it's not my fault. I was born in Dallas, and my father, my dad, was in Sunday school with Dan Reeves. Now, probably you don't know who Dan Reeves is, but he was a player for the Cowboys and he was an assistant coach for the Cowboys. And so my dad was in Sunday school with Dan Reeves. And that gave opportunity for my dad to, to be able to go to some of the Cowboys events. And one event, my dad got for me autographs of some of the greatest Dallas Cowboy players ever. So I have an autographed picture of Roger Staubach. Ooh, now see, some of you can appreciate that. And those that you don't, you need to know that Roger Staubach was the greatest quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe Tony Romo came along, I don't know. But, but nonetheless, he was amazing quarterback. And so I have his autograph. And so that was really awesome. So then in the third grade, I developed and I started in the third grade, the Dallas Cowboys fan club. That's right third grade. And since I started it, I became the president. Cause I'm like, if you're starting it, you're the president. Now there were only three of us in my fan club, but if you're in the third grade and you're the president of the fan club, you think you're big stuff. And I was like, man, I am the Cowboys. The, I'm the fan of all fans. I had sports cards, man. I had all those trading cards and man, I would just give away those Washington cards. I'm like, you can have it, but do you have a Cowboys card? And so, so I, I love the Cowboys. And then I had an opportunity to meet coach Tom Landry. Now Tom Landry was also the greatest coach ever in the NFL, in my opinion. And so legendary coach. And so what was going on is he was going to be at a a Christian prayer breakfast in Atlanta, Georgia. And so my dad bought tickets and he was going to take me because Tom Landry is there and we were big fans. And on the way to, to this prayer breakfast, my dad pulls out this little box. It's a gift. And he goes, I want you to have this gift before we get there. I'm like, all right, dad. I opened it up and it was a watch with the Dallas Cowboys on it. I had a, I had a brand new Dallas Cowboy watch. And he said to me today, when you have an opportunity to meet Coach Landry, show him your watch. He'll love it. 
I said, oh, yes, sir. I put that thing on and, man, I'm walking in, you know, the prayer breakfast like this. <laughs> I got, now listen, I was like this tall, you know, somewhere in there. I was like, they were singing songs. I was right there. I, they thought I was worshiping. I was like, I got the watch, you know, I was, I was loving it. I had an opportunity to meet Tom Landry and guess what I did? I went, check it out. And, and he loved it. He patted me on the back. It was a great experience. So I tell you all that, that, that I am a true blue Dallas Cowboys fan. But even with that, I have limits to the level of my commitment with the Cowboys. I don't travel to Dallas on weekends to watch him play. I don't even try to recruit people to become Dallas Cowboy fans. I don't care if you pull for the Redskins. That's your fault. That's up to you. Um, but, but listen, also, I don't get depressed and I don't get angry when the Cowboys lose all the time because it's just a game. I'm just a fan. It doesn't mean everything to me because I'm just a fan, right? So I don't care if y'all kid me about the Cowboys because I'm just a fan. It doesn't bother me to my soul. But here's the deal. I'm a fan of the Cowboys, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a huge difference. Church, I'm not perfect Listen, I know that, that God looks at me at times and he goes like, why are you doing that? And I, I missed the mark, and, which makes me so grateful for his grace and his forgiveness in my life. If you're thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ in your life, can you raise a hand and say amen, clap? No doubt about it. Like, here's the key. Despite my human inconsistencies, I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm committed to his lordship. I'm committed to it. I'm committed. What does that look like? I'm committed to his lordship. I'm committed to following Jesus even when I don't understand what he's doing at times. I remember several years ago, my mom passed away and she had a brain aneurysm and died instantly, suddenly. And she was in the hospital and that hooked her up to machines to keep her alive. And we went in with our pastor and we laid hands on her. She was 56 years old. Is that correct? 56. So I'm 56 this year. That's interesting. Um, 56 years old. And we laid hands on her. And I mean, I'm telling you, we all believed and just every bit of faith we had, God raised her. We're like, this would be the greatest thing we could tell everybody. When we, we, we did everything we could to move the heart of God on that, but he chose not to. My point is though, just because I didn't understand it, I didn't stop and delay my commitment to follow Jesus. I don't have to understand everything to be committed to follow him. I'm committed. We are committed. You are committed to follow Jesus when life is good and when life is not so good. Like we don't let the circumstance determine whether or not I'm going to follow Jesus or not. I'm committed to it. I'm committed to him on the hard days, but, but also we need to be committed to him when when we're really blessed in life. You know what happens to a lot of people? They, they get so blessed, they forget they need Jesus. I've seen some people get so blessed and they'll finally get their boat and, um, and then, then they don't come to church anymore. And you're like, what happened to them? Well, they got so blessed, they, they, they ride on the boat every Sunday now. They got blessed right out of church, you know? So listen, I am praying for you to be just enough blessed. I'm kidding. Get the boat, just stay committed, amen? And then call me up. I love to go on your boat, um, on your gas. It's awesome. 
It's awesome. So there are a lot of fans of Jesus, a lot of fans. And there's a difference between a fan and a follower. And I'm afraid that the church has often settled for, for making fans rather than making followers. Hear me on this. Hopefully it's not us, but I believe that slowly churches have become fan factories. And that we can, we, we're happy if we get a whole lot of people to come and cheer for the band. Great job today, band. Woo! Listen, the band doesn't worship for us. I always wonder what we're cheering for when the band finishes a song, our worship team finishes a song, we all clap. I always wonder, I'm like, are we cheering for the band or are we just saying, God, you're great, just had a bigger moment? So churches have settled, though, for a lot of cheering. We love it when, when you give great amens to points and we hear it. And, and, and I think at times that the church has, has felt like that was success. The drive to simply fill church seats creates shallow and weak Christians. What we want is to create strong, steadfast Christians who serve God with all their heart, regardless of what's going on around their life, around our nation, around the, the popularity, around what their friends say, what their school says. They say, I stand for Jesus because I'm a follower, period. And let me tell you, church, I don't know that our country is going to have as quick of a turnaround for Christ. There may be a season where we have to follow Christ when it's extremely unpopular in our culture. And we want to be creating followers. I read this quote by Kyle Eidelman, who wrote a book about being a fan of Jesus. And, and with uh, integrity, I, I've read this book and used some of this as as inspiration for this series. But this is what he wrote. He said, my concern is that many churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And every week, all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus but have no interest in following him. Mm. I feel that. Churches have become stadiums rather than sanctuaries, producing fans rather than Followers. So today I want to bring us to a place of, of DTR with your relationship with, with Jesus to determine your relationship. Are you a fan or a follower? What is your level of commitment? I want to bring us to that, that thought. But before we DTR our relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you just a moment about a man named Nicodemus because this may help you understand what it's like and what it means to follow Jesus. And so in John chapter 3, there's a story about Nicodemus. And he is, at this point, just a well-respected man in his town. He's, he is um, part of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee, Sanhedrin. So a Pharisee is part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were this very small group of of very religious leaders. And so they were like the, the, the ringleaders of, of, of holding people to the law. And so he was in this little small group. And so he was well-respected and he was well-known in his community. And so at some point though, Nicodemus wanted to 
to take his walk with the Lord or take his commitment to Jesus to the next level. And so he wanted to have a meeting with Jesus. But what you need to understand that if Nicodemus becomes a follower of Jesus, then he is going to be going against his Sanhedrin. He's going to be going against what he has been a part of his whole life. As a matter of fact, it was risky for him because if he becomes a follower, then, then he may lose his job even. Like this is a significant moment. And so what happens is, is Nicodemus weighs this out and he decides he wants to be a secret admirer. And this is what it says. It says, now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And it says, he came to Jesus at night. Now, if you're reading quickly, you might miss the significance came to Jesus at night. But why would he come to him at night when he could see Jesus any day during the day when he's out teaching? And the reason he came to him at night was that he didn't want anyone to see him. He didn't want anyone to know. If he could keep it a secret, then he would not risk anything. It wouldn't cost him anything because no one would know. He wouldn't have to change anything about his current lifestyle and he could be a follower of Jesus at the same time. Fans are happy to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't require any changes. Here's a, a thought for you. Check it on the screen. I just need, you need to know this. There's no way to follow Jesus without him interfering in your life. There's just no way. You, you can't really follow Jesus and him not interfere. Now, he doesn't do it because he just wants to irritate you. He doesn't want to like, oh, I'm going to just mess with them a little bit and try to change their life. No, here's the reality. When you're walking with Jesus, there's no way you can be in lockstep with culture. When you're walking with Jesus, you can't even be in lockstep with your past way of life. And so he begins to change us and develop us. By the Holy Spirit, he begins to talk to us on the inside. And, and by his grace, he leads us along. He doesn't do it in a judgmental way, but he'll begin to say, hey, this is a place you need to change. This is a place you need to change. And as you follow Jesus, he begins to change our life. He begins to interfere with our life in a really good way. So he begins to talk to Nicodemus who came to him at night. And so Jesus DTRs this relationship with Nicodemus and he says to him in John 3, 3, he says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now I've read that often and, and I always just kind of parked on unless you're saved. You can't go to heaven unless you're saved. And, and that is true. But I think it has a, has a um, context that's wider and deeper than that. Because what he's teaching Nicodemus that in order to be a follower, you will have to surrender your old way of life and begin a brand new way of life. He, I think Jesus is saying to him, listen, you cannot just follow me at night. You're going to have to follow me at daytime too. Like you can't see me teaching in the, in the public square and just be standing in the back going, cool. He's like, you're going to have to come up to the front and go, I'm following him. He defined the relationship for him. He couldn't be a secret admirer. He can't be just a, a casual fan. God wants to change him. He wants to change us for the better. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. In other words, change. Take up your cross. Identify with him to be a follower. And church, listen, if your lifestyle and your habits are not changing, 
then you're probably not committed to following Christ. You're probably more of a fan than a follower. And here's a thought. Many have made a decision to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow Jesus. And when I wrote those and pondered that thought, it began to weigh on me because I began to think about my life because I followed Christ for many years and I'm so happy about my decision and my, my following of Christ. But, but I began to wonder, am I still changing? Am I still growing? Am I still making you know, like strides to become more like Christ? Or am I, am I just good enough? Have I reached a place I'm like, well, I'm good. I'm going to heaven, that's all good. I've, I've gotten a lot better. I was thinking, you know, am I still holding on to grudges from three years ago that I need to forgive and move on? I mean, you know, like real stuff. Like I began to ponder those places and, you know, am I more loving today? Am I more patient today? Am I more, you know, is there more kindness? Or do I have more self-control? I was just weighing this out because we need to know, am I still following? Now, I'm not saying that, that if there's moments where I realize that I've missed it, that I've lost my my way to heaven, but I'm just saying that when we stop following Jesus, we stop changing and we stop changing. We're going to miss out on all that God has for our life. If I'm not changing, I may not be following very well. I have a little good news and I'm going to close out today. I have a lot of good news here. Good news about Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he began to change. I love this. So he was trying to be secret. He's trying to be private. And in chapter 7, we find that Nicodemus takes a huge step. And it says in verse uh, 50 that at the time when Jesus' popularity had continued to grow, this ruling council was freaking out. They're like, oh, he's becoming more popular than us. And so they decided to come up with a plan to have him arrested and put in prison so that he could quit becoming popular. And so at this moment, it says that Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, he spoke up. He, he went public all of a sudden, like the light switch went from dark to light. He said, guys, I, I, I got to speak up finally. I've held this inside for too long. I can't just keep this private all the time. And he began to speak up. And so he gave a legal defense for Jesus. And then in 52, verse 52, it says that the Sanhedrin, this group of people says to him, are you from Galilee too? What they're saying is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ too? They began to ridicule him. They began to humiliate him. They began to tear him down for that. He went public and it got costly for him. I'm proud of Nicodemus. He did it. And I want to be proud of me and I want to be proud of you for going public, for making a commitment to follow Jesus even when it's not convenient or easy. Are you ready to define your relationship? Are you ready to DTR with, with Jesus today? Because he wants to ask you some questions. He wants to know, are you committed to following him regardless of the circumstances? Are you going to stay committed to him at all times? Are you going to be committed to following him regardless of of the personal cost. That's what he wants to know. Church, I'm not going to be a fan. I don't want to be a fan. I don't want to be fickle. I don't want to 
back away. I want to press in. And so there's two ways I want to encourage you to, to take a step. And the first is with baptism. I mentioned baptism at the very beginning of our message because we're having baptisms. But I wanted to tie to a moment like this because baptism is a public profession of your faith. Baptism is where we take it from being personal and go, go, go uh, public with what we believe in Jesus. And so I hope that many of you will make a decision to go from fan to follower and then decide I want to be baptized as a result of that. Now, some of you have been following Christ and, and that's great, but maybe there's a, a redefining of that relationship with Christ today. Maybe it's time for you to go, you know what? I need to take another step, a bigger step in my walk, my commitment, my walk with God. And honestly, if you want to get baptized again, I really don't mind that because, because baptism is about this, this declaration that, that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And so if that matters to you and means something, I don't, you can get baptized again. We're going to celebrate with you. But it's like a marker, a decision, a, a commitment to follow Christ. And the second way to take this message today is to, is to define that relationship and make a fresh commitment to follow Christ. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, this is that moment for you. If you're here today and you're like, I've never begun a relationship, this is all brand new. I want to tell you today, you can, you can begin that relationship. You can say, yes, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want my life to be changed. I want it to be better. I don't want to live the old way that has caused me pains and caused me anxieties and caused me shame and guilt. I want, I want a new life. Maybe some of you are here today and you need to just recommit your life to Christ today and just say, well, today was such a great reminder to be all in and to say, God, I, I'm absolutely a follower. And so would you bow your heads and if you're here today and you are one of those that wants to begin a relationship for the very first time. Would you just lift your hand to me? I'd love to see your hands. Thank you, Lord. And if you're here today and you want to rededicate your life, you're like, I just want to, I want to declare that I'm a follower of Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to me real quick? God bless you. Let's all pray this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I turn to Jesus I receive forgiveness of my sins. I choose today to follow him. I will follow him wherever he leads me, whether it's easy or, 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 or hard. I choose to follow Jesus in Jesus' name. Amen, church. I love you. God bless you.